All right, well, good morning. Uh, for those of you, uh, good afternoon. Yeah, it is technically afternoon now. I got to adjust to that with the three services. Hey, uh, for those of you who weren't here last week, my name is Matthew, and I have the privilege of serving as the new teaching pastor here at the Westerville campus. Uh, my wife, Brooke, and I, we moved from Tampa, Florida, where we were both born and raised. Uh, we've got two little ones, our uh, three-year-old daughter named Monroe, our one-year-old son named Lennox. Uh, but man, we're so just excited and thankful to, to be a part of what God is doing here at LifePoint, and even more specifically, what God is doing here at, at Westerville. When we started praying about this opportunity several months ago, God immediately began to, to connect our heart to, to this church, to this faith family, and to just how God's at work here in, in this area and, and through this church. So we're, we're grateful to be here. And when I was in uh, seventh grade, my, my history teacher had our class compete in this stock market game. And uh, everybody in the class were given 10,000 imaginary dollars, and we got to choose how we were going to invest those, those $10,000. Now, most of the kids in the class, being you know, 13 years old, seventh grade, they didn't really care about this uh, game or this project, and they just picked you know, some of the big-name stocks like Microsoft, Apple, Disney, put their money in, and just kind of let it go. And kind of the goal of the, the, the game, of the competition, was whoever made the most profit during the year would win. Would win. But I started really nerding out on the stock market as a, as a seventh grade student. I remember reading Yahoo Finance articles and watching finance shows on TV, and I was trying to find these undervalued, unknown companies and stocks that would give me a really big return. And I ended up finding this really obscure gold company and oil company that nobody had ever heard of. I took my money, split it between the two, and just kind of held on to it for the year. And at the end of the, the school year, I ended up being the winner. I had generated the, the most profit from, from these stocks. And at this point, as a 13-year-old, man, I was hooked. I mean, the idea that I can invest money, not touch it, not do anything, and a year later have more money, I mean, this was, was crazy to me. Obviously, I didn't realize that the opposite could happen as well, uh, but I was like, man, this is too good to be true, and I was kind of all, all in on it. And here's what I started to, to figure out as I started to learn more and study more about investing. The key to successful investing, other than you know, discovering Bitcoin before everyone else does, the key to successful investing really comes down to two things, patience and discipline. Patience and discipline. You invest a little bit each and every month, and you hold on to it for years. Whether the market is doing well and going up or the market's struggling, you stick to the game plan. You stay the course. And typically with this kind of strategy, you don't see big results for a while. I mean, it can be years before you really start to notice a difference, but you let this thing called compound interest work its magic. And one day you reach this tipping point where you really start to see the benefits of your discipline and your patience. Those small, consistent investments that you've made every month, year over year over year, they end up leading to some pretty big and significant results. Patience and discipline. But you see, this, this principle of patience and discipline, it doesn't just apply to, to finance and investing. It really applies to every area of life. I mean, think about trying to lose weight and to, to get in shape. You don't eat a salad and go to the gym one time and expect to drop 20 pounds overnight. No, it's about making small, good decisions day after day after day. Trading the, the soda for water. Trading the shake shack for, for a salad, going on a walk, going on a run, going to the gym. Small, consistent 
investments and decisions day after day, they end up paying off. And eventually, after months or maybe in years, that consistency and that discipline, you start to notice some real results. And that's the thing. Real results, real change, it requires patience. It requires consistency. It requires discipline. This is a principle in life that really can't be avoided. It doesn't matter if you're talking finance or fitness or family or relationships or your career. Small, consistent investments, they pay off down the road. But just because this principle, here's the, here's the key, just because this principle is true doesn't mean that it's easy. In fact, our society today almost seems to be at odds with this principle because we live in an instant gratification world, don't we? Where we want to see immediate results without a whole lot of effort and without a whole lot of waiting. I mean, just think what technology has done for us just in the last 10 years. You and I, we now have the ability to stream any show, any movie we want in just a couple of seconds. We can order something on Amazon and have it delivered to our house the same afternoon. We can find out anything we want to know about any subject, any topic, with just a few clicks on our phone. And as a result, we have become conditioned as people to expect immediate results from our efforts. If we do something, we want to see the results right away. And unfortunately... I think we've brought this mindset and this expectation into our faith, into our spiritual life, into our relationship with God. When it comes to God's activity in our life, how he's at work and how he's moving, we don't want to wait. We don't want to be patient. We don't want to be consistent and disciplined with our obedience. We want to be able to pray a prayer and have it all work out. We want to see immediate results without any waiting and without any effort. But you see, when this becomes our mindset, when this becomes our expectation for for God and our relationship with him, it's very easy for us to grow frustrated and discouraged when God isn't responding how we hoped he would, when we aren't seeing the results that we expected. And what happens is we begin to, to grow tired of being obedient, tired of being patient, tired of of being faithful and waiting on God's timing because we look around in our life at people who aren't following Jesus, who aren't being obedient, who aren't being patient, who aren't being faithful, and they're getting everything that they want. They're the one who's getting the recognition and the promotion at work. They're the one who's finding the spouse They're the one who's getting blessed with children. They're the one who are having all these opportunities come their way. They're living the life that we want. And here we are, trying to do the right thing, trying to be faithful, trying to be patient, trying to be obedient, trying to wait on God's timing, and nothing seems to be working out. We're not seeing any results. And we start to wonder, man, is this even making a difference Does God even notice? Does God even care? Is it really worth waiting on God and waiting on his timing and doing it in a way that honors him? And maybe this morning, if you're honest, man, that's kind of a picture of your life right now. Your faith feels like it's on empty because God isn't coming through for you the way that you hoped he would. And you're tempted right now 
to stop waiting on him, to stop being patient, to stop being obedient, to stop being faithful, because you're not even sure if it matters. You're not even sure if it's making a difference. So if that's you this morning, I want us to, to look at a passage found in Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6, if you have your Bible or you've got the Bible app, I'd invite you to, to open up there. And we're going to see Paul speak to this principle of patience and discipline, of playing the long game, of being faithful even when, catch this, even when we aren't seeing the results that we want. Even when what we're doing doesn't seem to be making a difference, Paul is going to encourage us to be patient and faithful and disciplined, even when we don't see immediate results. So in Galatians chapter 6, starting verse 7, Paul writes this. He says, don't, don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Paul says, don't, don't, don't be deceived. Don't be fooled. God cannot be mocked. And here, Paul is addressing this false belief that our actions in life don't have consequences, that how we live doesn't really matter, that we can do whatever we want, whenever we want, and we don't have to answer to anyone for it. And if you look at our society today, this, this attitude that Paul is writing against is so prevalent all around us. People believe that they can do whatever they want. People believe that they're not accountable to anyone, that they get to determine what is true and right, and nobody has any right to tell them how they should live their life. It's their life, it's their truth, and everyone needs to stay out of their business and let them live their life how they want. But Paul is giving us this word of caution, this word of warning, and he uses this, this picture of reaping and sowing. Because for the people he was originally writing to, they lived in an agricultural society. Most of them were, were farmers. And they perfectly understood that the kind of seed that they sowed would determine the kind of harvest they would reap. It's this basic idea of cause and effect, cause and consequence. And here's what Paul is saying to us today. Now, we may think that we're getting away with something, and we may think that our actions in this life don't have consequences and that we're not going to have to answer to anybody. But eventually, each and every one of us, we will reap what we sow. What we do consistently in this life, whether good or bad, it's going to have consequences. This is a principle that God has hardwired into the universe. We reap what we sow, cause and effect, cause and consequences. And then Paul says this in verse 8. He says, whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh they will reap destruction. But whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Paul is, is highlighting the importance of being led by the Spirit. And for those of us who have trusted in Jesus for salvation, who have placed our, our faith in him, the Holy Spirit has come and taken up residence in our heart, in our life. He's made us a new creation. He's brought us to life. But even though we're a new creation, we still carry around our flesh. We're still broken, fallen, sinful human beings. And for the rest of our time here on earth, on this side of eternity, there's this constant tension, this constant struggle and war going on between our flesh and between God's spirit that lives within us. 
That's a tension that all of us live in, that all of us walk in. But Paul is saying that with, with every action, with every word we speak, and with every thought that we have, we are sowing seed. We're making a deposit either towards the spirit or towards the flesh. And as we make these deposits day after day after day, as we act, as we talk, as we make decisions, these small little deposits, these small little seeds, they begin to grow and they begin to compound over time. And while we may not see any immediate results, like in in finance and investing, in fact, we may not see the consequences for our actions for months, sometimes even years, one day we're gonna reach this tipping point and we're going to reap a harvest from what we've sown. And Paul says, look, it's either gonna be a harvest of life or it's gonna be a harvest of destruction. And it all depends on the kind of seed that you've sown with your life. What does Paul mean when he talks about sowing to please the flesh? What, what does that look like? What does that mean? It means to gratify our sinful desires, to give into our sin nature and to resist the leading of the Holy Spirit in our life. And Paul actually explained exactly what this looks like back in chapter five in in Galatians. Listen to what he writes in Galatians chapter five, verse 19. He says that the acts of the flesh, they're, they're obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. And I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this, they're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. You see, when we sow to the flesh, when we choose things like like jealousy and immorality and anger and selfish ambition, when we gratify our sin nature, we will eventually reap the consequences for our actions. We will reap destruction in our lives. We may not see it anytime soon, but eventually it's coming. It can't be avoided. But Paul says the alternative is to sow to please the Spirit to allow the Holy Spirit to lead us and to produce fruit in our life. Fruit like love, joy, peace, and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All of us, we're either gonna reap a harvest of life or a harvest of destruction. And it depends upon the kind of seed that we sow with our life. Do we sow to please our flesh or do we sow to please the spirit and allow the spirit to lead us? And then Paul, he gives us this word of encouragement. He says this in verse nine. He says, let us not become weary. Let us not become tired in doing good. You see, as believers, I think at times we can suffer from faith fatigue where our faith grows tired and our faith grows weary because we're not seeing any results. We're not seeing any fruit from our faithfulness and our obedience. Like we have that friend or family member that we've been sharing Jesus with for years. We've been pointing them to Jesus. We've been inviting them to church. We've been investing in their life and they just don't seem to care. Or we have that wayward child that we've been praying for. They've walked away from faith. They've walked away from the Lord and we've been praying for them month after month, year after year, and they just don't seem to be coming back. 
or we're trying to honor the Lord with our singleness, we're trying to be faithful and patient and wait and not compromise, man, but God doesn't seem to be sending anybody our way. Or maybe you've been, been trying to be faithful with the, the, the career that God has you and the opportunity God has you, and you've been obedient and patient, but God doesn't seem to be opening any new doors. And when this happens, we grow frustrated and discouraged, and we start to wonder, man, is God ever going to come through? Is any of this even making a difference? Does God even notice? And we're tempted in those moments to try to take control of the situation. And just do what everybody else seems to be doing. Because it doesn't seem to matter that we're honoring the Lord and we're being patient, we're being faithful. Paul says, no, 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 no. Don't grow weary. Don't grow tired in doing good. And here's why. Going on in verse nine. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. He says, don't grow, grow weary. Don't grow tired in doing good. First, we're gonna reap a harvest if we don't give up. But here's the key phrase here. At the proper time, at the proper time, we will reap a harvest. And when is the proper time? We don't know. Only God does. The proper time is based on God's plan and God's timing. And that's why this principle of patience and discipline is so challenging. Because we have our own timelines, don't we? We have our own schedules. We have our own expectations. And we want God to work and to move according to our timing. We want God to get on board with our five-year plan. God, here's when I expect to get married. Here's when we're going to have kids. Here's when I'm going to graduate. Here's when I'm going to get that promotion. God, I need you to get on board with my plan and my timing. But listen, here's, here's what I've learned. And I've learned this the hard way. God doesn't adjust his plans to meet our timing. God doesn't adjust his plans to meet our expectations. You know, I've never met anyone who is, is as much of a planner as I am. You know, since middle school, I've had a, a five to 10 year plan for, for what my life should look like. And I've had it all planned out according to, to my timeline. But a big part of my faith journey a big part of allowing the, the spirit to work in my life has been learning to surrender my plan and my agenda and my timing. Hey, can I be honest this morning? Moving to Ohio was not a part of the five-year plan. <laughs> I had plans for what the next few years of ministry were gonna look like. But about a year ago, God began to stir in my heart. God began to, to work in my heart and began to redirect my path. And I had an option in that moment. And I'm going to hold tightly. Am I going to hold tightly to my plans and my timeline and my agenda? Or am I going to surrender those things and follow the lead of the Spirit in my life? And look, by, by no means have, have I mastered this. There are times, even now, when I'm tempted to rush God's timing, or I'm tempted to take control of the situation, or to, to take a shortcut around what God is doing. But when I feel that tension between my plans and God's plan, my timing and God's timing, I have to remind myself that God is in control, and I have to believe that God is working all things together for my good and his glory that his timeline, his plans, his agenda are better than anything I could come up with on my own. 
Paul says, don't grow weary. Don't grow tired in doing good because at the proper time, God's time, God's plan, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. And then Paul finishes his idea in verse 10. He says this, therefore, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. He says, whenever you have the opportunity, let us continue to do good. Let us continue to be obedient and faithful. Let us continue to trust and wait on the Lord because we will reap what we sow. And at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. So for the next few minutes, what what I wanna do is I just wanna give you three truths this morning to hold on to and to remember, especially if you find yourself right now in a season of waiting where you're wondering, God, when, when are you gonna come through? When am I gonna see the, the fruit? When am I gonna see the results of my faithfulness and my obedience? I'm trying to trust you. I'm trying to follow you. When are you gonna come through? If you find yourself in that season right now, three truths to hold on to this morning. The first one is this. We are judged by our faithfulness, not our results. You and I, in this life, we are judged by our faithfulness, not by our results. You see, in our world today, our effectiveness in life is is entirely based on our results. It's based on things that can be measured, like profit and attendance and, and, and growth. And the world really isn't concerned with how much effort we give. The world really only cares about our results. And they want to see results immediately. They don't want to have to wait. But that's not how God's economy works. You see, in God's economy, you and I, we're not responsible for the outcome, and we're not responsible for the results, but you better believe you and I are responsible for the effort, and we're responsible for our faithfulness. I love what what Paul writes in, in 1 Corinthians. There's this church that was dealing with all kinds of jealousy and competition. There were, were factions and division. And one group was saying, hey, I follow this leader. And the other group was saying, I, I follow this leader. And listen to what Paul says to them. So important, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. He says, what after all is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned each his task. I planted the seed. Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor, their own effort. You see, as believers, we are responsible for planting seed, watering seed. We're responsible for being faithful and obedient and sowing seed that pleases the Spirit. But God is ultimately the one who gives the growth. And he's the one who's responsible for the size of the harvest and the timing of the harvest. And I just wonder this morning, are you being faithful with what God has entrusted to you? Are you being faithful with it? Are you being faithful with the relationships God has entrusted to you? Your spouse, your children, your friends. Are you being faithful with that that job or that career you're in? Maybe it's a job that you hate. Maybe it's a career you know you're not gonna be in long-term and you're ready to get out of it, but are you being faithful right now with the season God has you in? 
Are you being faithful with your resources and your finances that God has graciously entrusted you with? Are you using them all for yourself or are you using them to advance God's kingdom? Are you being faithful with your ministry opportunities, your opportunities to to serve and to share and to invite? Are you being faithful with what God has given you? We're not held responsible for the outcome. We're not held responsible for the results, but we are held responsible for our faithfulness and our labor and our efforts. The second truth is this. What we reap is Christ-like character. You know, when we think about reaping a a harvest, we tend to think in terms of, of, of tangible things, things that we can see, things that we can hold, things that we can point to. But oftentimes... The harvest is less about what God is giving to us, and it's more about what God is doing in us. You see, God's primary concern for your life is not your career path. It's not your education. It's not your degrees. It's not even the relationships in your life. His primary concern for your life is your character, Are you being conformed into the image and likeness of Jesus? Are you becoming more and more like him? Which means that the purpose for our waiting and the purpose for our delayed gratification is that God is using those seasons of waiting to grow our faith and refine our character. The the, the reason we obey God isn't so that we get something from God. The reason that we obey God is so that we become more like Jesus. And the result of our faithfulness is ultimately Christ-likeness. When we sow to please the Spirit, we become more like Jesus. And that is the greatest reward, the greatest result that we can hope for. That is our aim in life, to become more and more like Jesus. When we reap this harvest that Paul's talking about, It's not necessarily something that we receive, but it's something that God does in us. He changes us. He conforms us to be more like Jesus. Finally, number three, the ultimate harvest is in eternity. See, when Paul says that at the proper time we will reap a harvest, he's really pointing us to the final harvest, when Jesus is going to, to, to return and he's going to judge us according to how we've lived our lives. And listen, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, every single person will stand before Jesus and give an account for their life, for their actions, for their words, for their thoughts, for their decisions. And we will reap what we have sown in this life. But here's what we have to understand. There are times in this life, on this side of eternity, where we won't see the fruit of our labor. And we won't see the harvest from our obedience. We'll be obedient, faithful, and patient, and we may never see the fruit or the results on this side of eternity. But listen, that doesn't mean it's not making a difference. And it doesn't mean that God's not using it. Because our efforts, our faithfulness in this life are ultimately about eternity. I love what, what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, you need to stand firm. Let nothing move you. 
Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. And here's why. Here's why. Because you know that your labor, your effort, your faithfulness in the Lord, it is not in vain. You see, when we sow to the Spirit, when we make deposits and things that honor Jesus, it's never wasted. It's never in vain. And you have no idea, no idea how God is using your obedience and your faithfulness even when you don't see the fruit, even when you don't see the results. Keep sharing Jesus with that friend. You don't know how God's at work in their heart. You don't know how God is using your words and your attention and your time in their life. Don't stop praying for that child who's walked away. You don't know what God's doing. You don't know the circumstances. You don't know how God is using those prayers to make a difference. Keep honoring God with your singleness. Don't compromise. Don't do what you see everyone else is doing. God has a plan. God has his timing. And keep being faithful with what God has entrusted to you. You may be in a season right now. You may be in a situation right now where you're just ready for the next thing. Don't rush past what God is doing right now. Be faithful with it. And don't grow weary. Don't grow tired and doing good. Because we serve a faithful God who is true to his word and true to his promises. Nothing done for Jesus. No seed sown to the spirit is ever wasted. All of it is used to advance God's kingdom, even when you don't see it. So Father, we thank you just for that, that truth that you, you, you use everything. Even the things that we feel like don't matter and aren't making a difference, God, you, you see them, you honor them, you multiply them. So God, whatever situation we may have find ourselves in this morning, whatever area of our life, whether it's our finances or our family or, or the relationships in our life or our ministry, God, help us to be faithful. Help us to trust your timing. Help us to know that you are working all things together for our good and your glory, that nothing is wasted. God, we thank you for the promise that we will reap a harvest of life, that in you, we find true life and we'll experience ultimate life and eternity. Jesus, we love you and we ask all of this in your name. Amen.